morning again. You guys doing good? I love and I enjoy how there was celebration, clapping of hands. There can be a somber moment and even tears shed, but that's part of, uh, as Daniel would say, with music, right? If everything is just super loud and super high, that's not a good song. It's got to have places that ebb and flow, and that's really how the Lord does things in our lives, that he brings things that have different flavors and different um, different modes, right? And I feel like even during this service, the Lord is doing things. He doesn't want us to just, just be celebratory all Sunday morning long. He doesn't want us to be somber. He wants us to have all these different ranges of emotions and thoughts, remembering things, looking forward to the future. Um, and so I love the Lord how he does that, right? That he stimulates our minds. He stimulates our emotions. That he wants us fully engaged with him this morning. And so um, I'm praying. I won't, we've spent a lot of time praying already. So I'm just going to believe that your prayers and my prayers from earlier this morning, because we all prayed that we wanted to hear something from God this morning, right? Um, that I don't have to do that again, that God has already blessed his word and that you guys have ears to hear. And I know that we're family here this morning and we're ready to receive what God has for us. And um, Jen was just talking about remembering, right? This weekend we're remembering what took place in the past and remembering we're honoring that and we're celebrating that. It is good and right to celebrate. And um, I was thinking about last Sunday was a holiday too. What was last Sunday? Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday is good to remember what God did last Sunday. There was great things that took place Sunday morning. Um, I could feel God's presence. There were people that were visiting us. There was things that God did um, in this room, in the kids' classes. There were things that happened Sunday night. Um, just testimonies of that. There was uh, people received their prayer language for the first time. People received physical healing. People had inner healing. Words of wisdom were given. Uh, God was moving. People heard a mighty rushing wind. I didn't hear it, but somebody else did. Um, other things were going on that uh, relate to the day of Pentecost, right, 2,000 years ago. And so I'm so thankful that God says to remember these things because he wants to do it again. And, um, and that, um, that idea of doing it again, I was thinking about um, this weekend, you're stuck with your pastor. My brain just thinks of movies all the time. This time it's not Princess Bride. Um, um, but it was, it is a movie. I think I've shown video clips from this movie before. And I think I've only seen it, I haven't seen it in probably, I don't know, how old are my kids? It's probably been Seven years since I've seen it. Um, and there's a redo. It. I've never even seen the redo of it. But The Lion King. You guys all seen The Lion King? And there's, there's a line in The Lion King that I just, it stands out to me. There's certain lines that stand out to me for movies. And this is one of them where the hyenas are together and they're talking about things. And all of a sudden Scar shows up. You remember Scar? He's kind of the bad brother lion and evil guy. And um, they see a line. They hear a line. They're like, oh, oh, it's just you, Scar. We thought it was Mufasa. And then one of them said, ooh, and I hear that name, I shudder. And they say, do it again, right? And they say, Mufasa, ooh, do it again, ooh, right? And I, I love, so that line, just do it again, Mufasa, ooh, uh, just, it reminds you of that. And so the idea is that we can do it again. That's the title of this morning's message, is do it again. Last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday, but praise God, he's a God who does it again, that he can always do it again. And we're going to look at Acts again. If you want to read and get your fingers dirty, uh, we're going to turn to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to go all the way through the end of chapter 4. So we're not going to read all of that verse by verse this morning. I will have all the verses I'm going to highlight uh, behind me. But if you want to make sure and follow along in your Bibles that I'm not preaching heresy and you want to find it in your own version, because I'm going to switch between New King James is what I mostly use, but I might throw in a different version every once in a while up on the slides. Um, but just so you know where we're at, Acts chapter 2, um, Pentecost, right? We were the first four verses. It's all we read last Sunday. And so I felt like to give a better, broader perspective, to understand that what took place on Pentecost Sunday was not just a one-time event. It was a first-time event. 
That's the great thing about Pentecost. It was not a one-time event. It was a first-time event. It was the first fruits. It's the festival of first fruits. So that very, the title of that festival, Pentecost, means that it's the beginning of something that's going to keep happening. So this is not something that we read about or we remember and say, oh, wouldn't it be so nice if we lived back then, if we got to have that happen in our day? Praise God, it was the first fruits of what is continuing to happen today. I was thinking about it. I, I did a little bit of trivia. I don't think I finished my trivia last Sunday. There's three Jewish festivals that in the Old Testament says that every male was supposed to come to the temple and worship. And, um, and the first one was Passover, right? And the second one was this, was Pentecost or the Feast of First Fruits. There was a third one, which I believe the Lord has not fulfilled in the New Testament yet. We're living in the New Testament. So he fulfilled Passover. He fulfilled the first fruits. And I believe when Jesus returns, he's going to fulfill that third one, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, where they created booths, right? We celebrated this last year, you remember? And the idea is that they're remembering their time of wandering the wilderness, that they were aliens, that they were going to one day be in the promised land. Is this ringing a bell of what it's going to look like in the future, right? This earth is not our home. We're in temporary tents. This body is a temporary tent. And praise God, we are going to celebrate that with Jesus in our new bodies, in a new home, in the promised land. And so I'm excited about that. But I was thinking again about these festivals, and I was remembering how Jesus on Passover, while he was on the cross, he said these words, it is finished. The curse is done with. It's finished. I believe it's not recorded in scripture, but I felt, like, I, I felt like the Lord was telling me that on the day of Pentecost, on the day of first fruits, that Jesus said, it has begun. It is finished, it is begun. The curse is finished, the promise and the blessing has begun. The good thing of him pouring out his spirit on all flesh, it has begun. What we read in Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 was the beginning it isn't what we look back and we try to recreate everything that happened in Acts chapter 2. We're saying, no, we look at Acts chapter 2. That's the beginning of the more. Amen. That until Jesus returns, it's the first fruits of a huge harvest. When Jesus returns, he says, man, I'm going to reap a huge harvest. I, I keep preaching to you. I know it's not in scripture, but I believe prophetically there will be still to this day a billion soul harvest. I believe there's already been a billion souls that have come to know the Lord over the last 2,000 years. But I'm saying, no, there's going to be another huge harvest. So I feel like what we're reading about in Acts chapter 2, we are supposed to stimulate ourselves and say, this is the first time, which means he can do it again. The title of this morning's message, do it again. All right. So I just preached the title of this message. Now let's get into some scripture. Um, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. You know, let me turn there. I'll read it too, so I'm not stuck on just my little verse I'm throwing up there. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39. I have just the highlights of what I want to put up there, but if you want to read, it says this. Then Peter said to them, so this is after Peter, the whole place was, you know, they heard the mighty rushing, fire fell on them, they're speaking in tongues. Peter begins preaching. At the end of his sermon, this is what happens. End of his Peter's sermon, Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So do you see it already in verse 39? You see that this is just the beginning. This promise is for us here and now, but it's also for your children and your children's children and people that are way far off, you and me, right? So it's the beginning. But I want to highlight, I think I have a verse where I just highlight some, some points of verse 38. Peter says this, repent, be baptized, 
receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is his message. This is his three-point sermon. Repent, right? We all believe repentance is necessary, right? That's what Jesus preached. If you look back to the beginning of the Gospels, that's what John the Baptist was, was preaching. Repent, repent, repent. And then Jesus came along and he preached the same thing. Repent. Repentance is necessary. It's a commandment. You and I, we cannot enter the kingdom of God without repenting. It's vital, right? We all agree on that, right? I'm preaching to everything we all agree on. Repentance is needed, all right? Then the second thing, be baptized. We all believe God's word, that that's something we're supposed to do, right? We all are supposed to be baptized. According to God's word, Jesus gave the great commission, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we know water baptism is something that we, every believer is supposed to do, right? So it's the same thing with the very third point in his sermon. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Can it happen that someone repents and the same day they get water baptized? Is that possible? Yes. Is it possible for someone to have all three in the same day? Possible. Yes, 100% agree. But I'll just throw this out there. I just thought of this right now. Ask me a question. Who here became a born-again Christian? You asked Jesus to come into your heart, forgive your sins, and were water baptized a very different day than the day you became a Christian. That's most of you raising your hands. It was a different experience. You became a you repented and became a Christian, and a different day you got water baptized. Could it all happen on the same day? Of course it can all happen. But the norm is it's a different day. It's a different experience. And I'm just going to submit this to you. It might be the same thing with a third one. Receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. It can happen the same day you repent. For sure it can. We read in Scripture. It does happen in Scripture. But often throughout Scripture, you see that it actually happens a different day. It's a different experience. And I feel like too many Christians believe that all three of these happen all the same time. That third point, oh, well, that third point, that happened the first one. Well, if the second one didn't happen the same day as the first one, could it be that the third one didn't happen the first one too? So I'm just, this isn't my whole sermon. I'm just saying that Peter's message, his three-point sermon is saying to me what we preach here at Osmeaver Church, that there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. There is a separate experience of receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're reading the Gospels, the, the new, uh, Jesus, he breathed the Spirit, he breathed on the, on the disciples. When he came up here, after he died and rose again, for 40 days he kept appearing, it says, receive the Holy Spirit. Wait, so they already received him. But then in Acts chapter 2, they received again. So most scholars would believe that they were receiving salvation. They always believed in Jesus, but now that he was right, crucified and risen again, they had to put their faith in his death and resurrection. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah, but they didn't understand death and resurrection. So now they were receiving salvation. From Jesus. The seal, the Holy Spirit was the seal of their salvation. Happened in John, right? The Gospel of John. But later on in Acts chapter 2, that's the third thing. They received the gift of the Holy Spirit. So enough preaching on that. Um, but I just, I, I want us to understand, have that teaching, that mindset, that receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit was a separate time and instance for them in Acts chapter 2. It might be for you and I as well. All right, so we'll move on to the next one. Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and 42, just a few verses later. 41 and 42 says this. That day about 3,000 souls were added to them. That's the end of 41. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. The day of Pentecost was unique because what happened in the upper room for 120, God did it again. 
Peter was preaching to them, what we just experienced, we repented. We've been water baptized. And we just today received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And now he's preaching to thousands and 3,000 repented. They were beginning the process of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So I love that it's again, it's this do it again. Peter is replicating. What happened to me can happen to you. What God did for me, he can do for you. What God did for you, he can do for me. There's something about this testimony that when I see that God did it over there, he can do it again. And I just want us to get the, the title of this message. I want it to get sunken out in so many different ways. Like I said, there can be a somberness. There can be an excitement. There can be all different things. I feel like all of us have this word, well, this phrase, do it again, can mean something different to each one of us in this room. But I believe it's the word of the Lord. He's saying something to you that he wants to do it again. What is that? Find out in this message. Hear the word of the Lord to you. What does that mean, do it again? Maybe you've already been filled with the Holy Spirit. I gave the testimony that when I was a kid in this, the youth group at this church, that the first time I got filled with the Holy Spirit, my hands and my arms were just tingling and tingling. And actually, that Sunday night, last Sunday night, it happened again. My arms were tingling. And it was so, I mean, this was not my message or whatever, but it was so fun that as my arms were tingling, I was praying, I went and prayed over my own sons. And I laid hand, while my hand was, I could feel the Holy Spirit was in me, and I could feel the Holy Spirit going through me and filling my own boys. He can do it again. He can do it again. What he did one time in your life, he can do it again. So important. So important that we get that truth. So that 3,000 received this. Uh, I, I was thinking about this. The whole purpose, did uh, Jesus gave the Great Commission. Did he say, go and preach the message of salvation to all nations? Or did he say, go and make disciples? Basically, do it again. What I did in your life, go see that it happens in somebody else's life. Don't just give the information. Give the same experience. May they encounter the same experience that you had. I, I was thinking about this. We live in the information age, right? If people want to know who Jesus is, it's very easy to find out who Jesus is on the Internet, right? They, the new, I, I was excited. I would say about five years ago, I remember driving my work truck, there was... I think The Fish, 95.9, was like the only Christian radio station in L.A. I think it was only like five, six years ago. And now there's like three Christian radio stations in L.A. There's, there's opportunity to hear the gospel through the radio, through TV, through the Internet. Through, there's churches on all, every corner, right? People have information at their fingertips. But I feel like the season that we are in, that God is saying in this information age, people aren't wanting information about Jesus. They are owed an encounter. The day of Pentecost was an encounter. They weren't, Peter wasn't just preaching Joel and giving the Old Testament. He was, he preached the word of God, but he was preaching with an encounter. He was preaching having been filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, you can have this encounter as well. I'm not inviting you to understand the information that I have. I'm inviting you into an encounter. What he did for me in my life, how he took my sorrow and made it joy. You can have that same experience. People want an encounter. They don't want information. We're saturated with information. Hmm. It says in verse 42 that they continued. These new believers, it's saying these 3,000, it says they continued in the apostles' teaching, doctrine, uh, fellowship, breaking the bread, prayers. They continued. They didn't do it a one-time thing. 
There are some people, they hear the good news of salvation. I'm guilty of doing it. I've met people at a funeral. I've met people at places where it was a one-time thing. I gave the salvation message. They heard, and maybe they even gave their life to Jesus, but it was a one-time event, and they never went back to church. They didn't continue steadfastly in the teachings of the apostles or God's word. This here is saying that they continued. They did it again. Oh, they heard Peter's sermon? Let's go hear another sermon. Oh, let's go hear another sermon. They did it again, again, and again. And that's so important that we do it again. The Lord wants to do it again, but are we doing it again? Like I said, I think the Lord might use this phrase differently for some of us. Are you willing to do it again? I know for me sometimes, (laughs) really quick, I was thinking about this. Uh, Yesterday was chore day in my household. Told our kids in the morning, we had nice devotional time with the Lord. As I wrapped up the devotional time, I said, all right, before you go, you guys all get to do extra chores today. Not because I'm mad, not because you're in trouble. It's just because that's what we're doing as a family today. Can I tell you, I had to tell my kids again and again and again what to do. I mean, this is just, if you have three boys in one bedroom and you just tell them, go clean your room. I guarantee you can't tell them one time to go clean their room. you got three boys in a room. They're not just going to do it all together nicely and get it all done quickly, right? Again and again, I had to go tell them, stop doing that, stop doing that. I had to take, okay, two of you out of there, just one in the room, because you'll get more done with one boy in the room than three in the room, right? But I had to keep doing it again and again and again. Some of you, you've got to do some things over and over again and again and not grow weary in it. One of the things I... They're stuck. Their dad is a pastor, so they get stuck with their dad, like, preaching at them, not just telling them what to do. And so I did. I I a little bit manipulated the devotional in the morning to say that the Lord is your strength. The Lord doesn't just give you strength to play football and to lift weights. The Lord actually gives you strength to do things you don't want to do. The Lord gives you strength to do things he calls you to do. Since Janine threw Luis under the bus, then I'll just throw Jen under the bus. Um, (laughs) Jen had the word of the Lord this morning about singing a hymn and recognizing Memorial Day. And she tried to get me to do it. Then she tried to get Daniel to do it. I was like, Jen, you have the word of the Lord. Yeah, but I don't want to do it. I know you don't want to do it. It doesn't matter what you want to do. The Lord will give you strength to do what he's calling you to do. I don't have that same word. I don't have that same. It would would not have the same effect if I got up there and said the same thing. So you have to do it, right? I don't want to do it. Too bad, right? (laughs) That's the Lord in all of our lives. He's going to call you to do things you don't want to do. And you're going to have to do it again and again and again. But praise God, his Holy Spirit is there to give you strength to do what you could not do in your own strength. He gives power to the weak, right? That's part of what we read yesterday morning, Isaiah 40, right? He increases the power of the weak. But I love that these things they did again and again, one of those things they continued to do over again and again was this word fellowship. Or in Greek, koinonia, I could be saying it wrong, from Strong's 2842, it says, this is the definition, sharing, unity, close association, partnership, participation, a society, the brotherhood, us, the church, having fellowship. It's time to do it again. Right? We had a year where we couldn't really gather. We couldn't do fellowship. And I feel like the Lord is, is saying, it's time to do it again. It's time to do it again. It's time to have unity in things. I know the Lord 
As it says that later on, I think I'm, I'm jumping ahead. It says that the Lord added daily to those that were being added to the church. But it says the Lord did it. And it kept coming back to that they had unity. They were loving one another. And as they just loved one another, the Lord did the adding. And I feel like the Lord reminded me that this year, 2021, that was one of the words that God gave me for 21, was that it's two to one odds. The Lord wants to double the size of this church. The Lord wants to do things where he increases. But it doesn't come from us actually doing more outreach programs, from us trying harder. I think it actually comes from us learning how to love one another. They will know us by our love for one another, right? John says that. As we learn to have unity, to walk together, even this last Wednesday, we're still trying to learn how to be in his presence together. I can enjoy being in God's presence all by myself, but when I'm, at, I'm just being honest with you. When I'm with the group of you and I'm having to pastor, I can't just 100% just be, oh, it's just all about myself and God right now because I have to steward what's going on in the room. And it's actually harder. I actually, I wish I could just be you and me right now, God. But now I've got to manage this. There's got to be unity. And God's going to speak something different to this person, different to this person. How does it all come together? And it's not up to me to make it happen, but I do have to figure it out. We have to partner. That's that word. We have to partner together. We've got to learn how to flow together. It's going to be work. It won't all just miraculously happen. I, I love that it says the Holy Spirit brought it. The Holy Spirit brought fellowship, but it says that they continued steadfastly in it. So is it the Holy Spirit's job to bring unity or is it our job to bring unity? Yes, yes good job. Um, he wants to do it again. Hmm. I'll just be bold. Some of you need to invite people into your homes. Some of you that are online need to be here in person. Some of you, me, some of us, need to get over, oh, but my house isn't clean, right? My kids are not cleaning the house for me, right? It's a mess. I got to get over that. What, what do I value more? What people think about me or actually having unity? I think some of us need to do it again where we start inviting people over for Memorial Day barbecue, right? Or whatever it is, we've got to start reaching out and having fellowship. It doesn't just fall in your lap. You actually have to create it. You actually have to make it happen. So there's things that we've got to learn how to love one another and create this koinonia. We've got to do it again. Some of us, it's, I'll stop. It's work. I get it. It is work. One of God's word to us today is his admonishment to place a higher value on fellowship. Hear the word of the Lord. Devote yourself to community and fellowship. <laughs> the fellowship that they had in Acts chapter 2, you can read all about it. I'm not going to read all the verses, where they shared everything in common. The Holy Spirit wants to do it again. In our day, in this church, in your life, where we lack no good thing, Yes, it's because God is providing, but he provides through a local church body. All right, let's move on because I got to get all into chapter four and we got to keep moving. So Acts chapter two, verse 46. I'm going to go in a few verses later. 46, um, I want to highlight this. 
So continuing daily with one accord, the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. So I kind of talked about this already. Ah, I'll sandwich it in. I'm reading some of my notes. It's good. We'll just put it all with the one I just read. So let's move on so I can keep going. We skip now. We're moving from Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 3, I'm not going to read all of it, but it's a great one. Um, it's a different day. It's not the day of Pentecost, but Peter and John go up to the temple, right? They find a man there who's lame since his birth, been asking for money all of his life. Everybody knows him because he's always there every day. And what do they do, right? Silver and gold have I none. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And he gets, stands up, and he goes up onto the Temple Mount. He's jumping, leaping. Hey, dancing. That was part of Nick's word this morning. Dancing, right? Dancing was taking place, connected to Pentecost, connected to what God was doing. I think some dancing needs to take place here. Happened on Wednesday night, or some more of it needs to happen. But Peter, now there's this crowd. Wait, that's that guy that's been at the gates for years, and now he's dancing? They're in awe of what's going on. It wasn't just Peter preaching. It was, again, a sign and a wonder. It was something that an encounter that invited them in. It was a taste of God's goodness. I heard a pastor say this, and I 100% agree with it. We owe the world an encounter. We owe the world an appetite of how good God is. Sometimes people, we can be blasting truth all over them, and they have no ears to hear it. But if they get an encounter, they get a sign and a wonder, they get a miracle, whoa, whoa. Now they're open to something. Wait, what, what, how did this happen? That's what's happening on the Temple Mount. These same people, Peter's preaching, and he's, he's blasting. You know the Jesus that you crucified? That's who did this, right? If there wasn't a sign and a wonder, and he just went on Temple Mount, remember that Jesus that you guys crucified? Well, he's really the Messiah. They would have no ears to hear. But because there was something good that took place in their midst, oh, wait, now they were cut to the heart. And so Peter's giving this message, and again, you see it. In Acts chapter 3, this is in his sermon, 319. I love this verse. 319 says this. Repent and turn to God so that times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. That is a whole sermon and a month long, maybe a year long meditation right there. We talked about repent, be baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But now Peter is saying, no, just repent and turn to him so that times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. Peter is saying this from his own life. I've been refreshed, but now he's prophetically, it will come. It will come to you. Refreshing will come to you as you get into the presence of the Lord. I'm saying that over all's neighbor church, as on Wednesday nights, we keep pressing into the presence of God and saying, you know what? It might be hard. There might be a wall in front of us, but I'm not giving up. I'm just going to keep pressing in to the presence of the Lord. And as we do, times of refreshing will come. I love that word refreshing. I don't have the whole Greek word in front of me, but it can also be translated revival. Times of revival will come as we spend time in his presence. In his presence is that fullness of joy, right? That joy, that refreshing. Some of you, some of us, need some refreshing. After a whole year long of pandemic and all these other things going on, we need a refreshing in our souls, in our mindsets. And the Lord is saying, I'll do it again. I'll bring refreshment. I'll bring joy into your life. I shared this uh, statistic. There was a survey where they asked people of all ages, mostly adults, what's the most favorite time of your life? And the number one answer was actually high school years. 
I know that's not everybody in the room, but that was the, the highest consensus because it's the, the most amount of freedom and the least amount of responsibilities, right? When you're in high school, I didn't have a job. I didn't have any bills to pay. And my parents were putting money, putting money into the, the gas into my car and I could drive places. I had all this freedom to go anywhere I wanted and I had no responsibility. Oh, this felt so good. It was enjoyable. Maybe that season of your life is not the most enjoyable, but I, some of you, you have a season of your life in the past that when you look back, you're like, oh, those were the good old days. The Lord is saying he wants to do that again. He wants to bring the good old days back into your life. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what mountains are in the way. The Lord is saying he wants to bring times of refreshing back into your life. Where you'll not say, oh, it was back then. You'll say, no, right now. The day I'm living right now, this is the most refreshing. This is my favorite season of life is right now. You know, I, I was thinking about this. I can tell when people have encountered that refreshing from the Lord. You can see it all over their face, their countenance. I've seen people come into this sanctuary weary, heavy laden, discouraged. And I've seen them encounter the presence of God, not just sing a worship song. I mean, that can happen. The presence of God can come in a worship song. I'm saying, no, really, there's a difference between just worshiping God and actually seeing the Lord face to face the presence of God. And I've seen their whole demeanor change. I'm believing that's going to happen to people that aren't even looking for it. That as you and I, we steward this place, that it becomes such a presence-oriented church. This sanctuary is so full of the presence of God. It doesn't matter how demonized someone is as they come in here. They feel the refreshing of the Lord. I'm believing it. All right, I just got to keep moving on. I'll just do one in Acts chapter 3. We'll move on to Acts chapter 4. Acts 4.4 4 says this. Many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be around 5,000. So this is separate. This is now, Peter's given multiple sermons. We're in Acts chapter 4 now. This is later on. His very first one on the day of Pentecost, how many came to know the Lord? 3,000. 3, Some scholars will argue that this 5,000 given in Acts chapter 4 is the total of the 3,000 and then maybe a couple thousand more, and together it was 5,000. Some scholars say that. I believe the other scholars. I think it was 3,000 on the day of Pentecost, and Peter, he's doing it again. He's preaching again, and as he's preaching again, he's actually getting better at it. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is actually increasing in his life. And now when he preaches, 5,000, not 3,000, 5,000. See, what I love about the Lord is when he does it again, he never does the exact same thing again. He's actually a God of increasing. He grows us from glory to glory. So what took place on the day of Pentecost in that upper room, God wants to do it again, but actually he wants to do it again at a higher level. Peter preached his first sermon, 3,000. He preached later on, 5,000. There was an increasing to his anointing. There was an increasing to the Lord doing it again and again and again. All right, we'll just move on. Acts 4, 8, four verses later to show this. 4, 8 says this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, 
I love that Luke, who's the author of Acts, he wrote Luke and Acts, he made sure by the Holy Spirit to include this. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. He could have skipped that line. This is not the day of Pentecost. This is a, could have been a year later. And it says that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. It happened again. It happened again. It happened again. It was not just a one-time event. It was the first-time event. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit again and again and again and again. That's the kind of life I want to live. I don't want to live off of my one-time experience as a junior higher going to camp, being filled with the Holy Spirit one time, and my hands tingling that one time. I want it to happen again and again and again and again, and I want it to increase again and again and again. I was thinking about this as I was reading that verse again and again, and I kind of shared with you that it doesn't just stay the same. These words came to my mind. Actually, it was in my study notes. It says something about that our relationship with the Holy Spirit is not static, but dynamic. And that might make sense at some level, but for me, you're stuck with me, though I spent nine years at AT&T dealing with technology, and when I hear those words static and dynamic, I think right away of IP addresses. I think of internet. I think of, and I'll explain to you really quick, there's such thing as a static IP address and a dynamic IP address. Dynamic means it's changing. Do you know that your cell phone does not have a static IP address? When you go onto the internet and you're on our Wi-Fi here, you're your Wi-Fi at your house, you're at Starbucks, you're always, you have a different address. You always have a different address. It's changing constantly. You can pay for a static IP address like we have at this church. We have a static IP address where it's the same address all the time. So when you type in osneighborchurch.com, you're going to the same exact address every single time. There's things that are static and dynamic. The Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, except he's dynamic, and he's always changing. The way that he moved on the day of Pentecost is different than the way he moved on Peter a year later. It says he was filled again, but I have to believe it actually was a different way. It manifested differently. The voice of the Lord sounded differently. I know about you, but for me, my relationship with God, it's always changing. Once I start understanding the voice of God in one way, he's like, oh, you got that one? I'm not going to talk to you that way anymore. I'm going to start talking to you this way now. Like, oh, I just finally got it this way, right? Because he doesn't care about me understanding principles. He wants relationship. He doesn't want a formula. He, you know, two plus two is this is how you're going to get this in the kingdom of God. No, he wants relationship. So the Holy Spirit, yes, what he did, he'll do it again, but he's going to do it again differently. He's the same, but he's going to do it differently. I love the history of this church. I want what the Holy Spirit did in this church 70 years ago. I want him to do it again. But I don't want to try to replicate exactly what he did 70 years ago. I want the, the idea behind it that he fell on a pastor that initially built a physical church, and within a year had to build a whole new sanctuary. And within a few years had to build a whole Sunday school building. And within a year had to expand and had to keep growing more ministries and spend more money on missionaries and do, write books and send this. and send. Things were growing and expanding. And I'm saying, I want that to happen again. I'm not going to try to copy the exact same thing that Pastor Stiles did. No, because he's going to do something different. It's dynamic. It's always changing. We talked about the new wine, right? He wants to do new wine. It's not old wine. It's new wine, but it's the same Holy Spirit. So I love that. I love that, that our relation with the Lord is always changing. The way he speaks to us is always changing. In fact, oh, is it in here? I guess i got to look really quick. Otherwise, I'm going to jump to another one. Oh, no, it's in here, I think. Okay, good. So I'll move on to the next one. Acts 4.13 says this. 
The council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were, not, they were just ordinary men who had never had religious training. Then they began to understand the effects Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. I love that, this translation. These apostles, these uneducated fools are confounding the religious scholars. How is this happening? They're like, what is going on here? And they're realizing, oh, they spent time with Jesus. Because every time we try to trip up Jesus, he tripped us up. They must have spent time with Jesus because they're doing the same thing to us, right? You spending time with Jesus will always have an effect on you. Your encounter with the presence of God, you should always come out smelling different, looking different, thinking different, speaking different. What he did there with uneducated fishermen, he wants to do again in your life. He wants you to preach the word of God boldly. Like I said, Jesus' great commission was not just go share the good news. It was actually make disciples. You are to make disciples. And I don't want to put you on blast, but I want you to think about how many people are following the Lord because of your relationship with the Lord. And can that increase? I think so. And the Lord says he wants to endue you with power from on high to be able to do that. Not in your own strength, not in your own intellect, not with your own words. I don't know about you, but I was reading this verse. I was thinking about how times, there's been times I've prayed for people and I had no idea what was coming out of my mouth. I was like, how did that come out? That scripture verse. I haven't said that scripture. I haven't even read that scripture verse in years. And then I said something that was prophetic. I, I don't know that. I know nothing about this person. And I was saying things about their life. And they're like, oh my gosh, how did you know that? I'm like, I don't know. That was the Holy Spirit. I don't know. How does that happen? From spending time with Jesus. You can't just turn on the light switch and say, okay, now it's time to do ministry time. It actually comes from, I was thinking about that. So many times we read it as a formula. That the disciples tried to cast out a demon and Jesus answer, and we take it as a formula. Well, this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. And we say, oh, okay, so some demons we have to fast and not eat food, and that's how we cast out that demon. I don't think Jesus was giving a formula. He was saying, no, this type of ministry, it only comes from spending time with the Father. It comes from having a relationship, being in his presence, knowing what the Father is saying for this, because he wants to do something different. It's not going to look like the way it did before, and you're not going to know the new way and the new different thing that God's doing unless you're spending time in his presence. That's how you cast out this type of demon. It's not from a formula. It's not from what worked last time. Well, I said this prayer and I laid hands, I did this, and it worked last time. How come it's not happening this time? Because you didn't spend time in his presence. Hmm. Wrap this up, right? 431. Getting to the end of chapter 4. I said we're getting to the end of chapter 4. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Why am I reading this? Because I feel like this is kind of the, the crescendo, what I've been saying. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, it says that the Holy Spirit filled a room, and the sound of a mighty rushing wind came in. Now the end of Acts 4.31, this is years later. They didn't hear the sound. The actual room was shaking. He did it again, but it looked different. This is the exclamation point on what God is saying to us this morning. He wants to do 
Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, the day, but he wants to do it again, but he wants to do it again here in us, and it's going to look different. It's going to feel different. We're going to be filled. The whole place, it says all of them were filled. I'm looking forward to the day that it's not just two or three that get filled with the Holy Spirit. It's everybody in the room. Huh. Can I be bold enough to say this? I, I see it prophetically. The day is coming, whether you believe in it or not, or you like that idea, that we're all going to be slain in the Spirit. Everyone in the room is going to be on the ground. Not being able to control and say, this is what it looks like. This is how it's done. There's no understanding. It's just, no, the Holy Spirit is in the room and he's doing what he's doing. And our religious background has no say-so on controlling that. Because we're just so hungry for the presence of God. We're studying a hunger for the presence of God. Whatever it looks like, whatever it costs me, I don't care. I just want the presence of God. All right, Daniel, come up. The worship team, come up. As I try to wrap this up. Hmm. That Acts 4.31, I, I could bring a whole sermon out of that, but it says that they prayed together, they gathered together, they were filled again together, and they spoke with boldness again together. They were together praying. They got together. They weren't just praying in their home saying the same prayer. They actually physically got in the same room together. And it says they were all filled again together. And they all together spoke with boldness. I see that happening again here at Osmond Church. But what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? I, I kind of end every Sunday by saying that. Because I feel like the Lord can tailor this message and that phrase, do it again, into your life. What is do it again? What is the Lord saying into your life? Do you need to be refreshed again? Do you need to do what you've been told to do again, where you saw no fruit, you're like, it's pointless. Why would I do that again? Because God's saying to you this morning, do it again. Amen. Would you close your eyes and let's just ask the Holy Spirit. What are you saying to me, Holy Spirit? I don't want to be the same. I don't want to be static, Lord. I want to be dynamic. I don't want to be changing. I want to move from glory to glory. And Lord, your word makes it clear, abundantly clear, that if I want to change, if I want to be different, if I want to grow, it's going to cost me something. I've got to let go of old thinking. I've got to let go of tradition. Holy Spirit, I need you to do it again in me. What you did in Peter's life, do in my life. Where these 12 men turned a world upside down, do it through your church again, Lord. What you did in this nation, where you raised up godly men to establish a firm foundation and a constitution and a bill of rights and a United States of America, would you do it again? We can fill that blank in anywhere we want in our lives. Lord, we need you to do it again. So I submit and I yield my life to you, God. I will sing. I will dance. I'll fall on my face. I'll worship. I'll be still and know that you're God. I just want to hear your voice and do what you say. Whatever the cost whatever my reputation, 
I lay it all down. May the goodness of God be in this place like never before. May times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord like never before. Shape us, mold us, make us into your image, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing one last worship song? If you need prayer for anything, we'll have some leaders up front to pray for anything, but if specifically the Holy Spirit was like really putting his finger on something in your life, then come get prayer for that, all right? Love you guys. Spirit of